0: The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio.
1: And a good evening to you Monday night, and welcome to Employment Law Show. John Scholes here along with Stan Fanzelberg, a partner at Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in Canada. You can look that up. You got questions to it. Anytime about employment rights, this is your show. As you know, if you've been terminated, uh, laid off, wrongfully dismissed, Harastic work experience changes to your job human rights issues COVID-19 vaccine questions bring them on get the uh the answers you need over the next 48 minutes or so we are ready to go we hope you are as well email which we're going to get through a bunch of tonight empty the inbox that is help at employmentlawyer.ca stand good to have you on again brother what's the uh what's the opening salvo as far as the week that was what do you got
2: uh, a really interesting one, John. Something that came out just last week, involving uh, one of the big retailers that we all know and love, uh, the brick, and uh, a case that I came across that I had to share with the reader, with our listeners, because I thought it was just something that uh, is, you know, novel and really shows the where where judges see the law right now. Uh, so this case involved a a thirty six year employee with fifty mm. who was fifty seven at the time. A supervisor working for the company, Uh, he got laid off in March due to the pandemic, and later on in the summer, the brick sent out a very weird termination letter. And I say was it's weird because this is something that's specifically referenced in the decision. The way this letter was was written itself is actually a lot of the focus of this case and decision. Um, And it basically told this guy he's being let go, very vague failed to include a lot of really relevant information for employees in terms of their entitlements, uh, what could happen if they didn't accept the package that was being offered, and a lot of information like that. So ultimately this this case ends up in trial about a year later and the judge comes out and makes the decision, not only does this guy get awarded the maximum, really, uh, notice period of 24 months, but on top of that, the judge actually comes out and awards the employee $25,000 in moral damages, wow. basically what we would call bad faith damages. And, you know, and that, a lot of that stems from this letter that was issued to the employee at the time of termination. And so the judge actually identifies four reasons why he is giving this employee $25,000 for bad faith conduct on behalf of the company. So the first that he identifies is a lack of transparency and fair dealing by the BRIC in the termination process, basically saying that, you know, this letter failed to identify what would happen to this employee if he didn't accept whatever the BRIC was offered. Essentially, you know, it, what the letter seems to have failed to say is that you're, even if you don't take what we're offering to you, you are still entitled to your minimum entitlements and you still have rights notwithstanding, you know, that we're making an offer to you or we're being terminated. Essentially, what it seems like the judge was saying to the company is that you, company, need to have a positive obligation to inform this employee at the time of termination, at their lowest point, what their entitlements are. Not, you know, not that the employee has this own obligation, that the company has this obligation and the second point kind of feeds into the the first one which is that it was there was a lack of transparency and fair dealing that in t- telling the employee that his benefits would have continued beyond the statutory notice period that in they uh, in the bricks offer so essentially you know they make this offer and fail to n- tell the employee that the benefits continue if you accept the offer as well again and something that you know arguably the brick didn't have an obligation to make that type of offer to the employee i mean you know they have this obligation no question to offer employee benefits for the first six, eight weeks or the statutory minimums in the statute in the employment standards act but generally speaking anything after that and while yes an employee does have an entitlement to benefits for the notice period it's all negotiable you know sometimes you can negotiate instead benefits to give that person money but here it seems that the judge said, well, you should have actually told them that this was going to continue because that seems to be what you intended.
1: The interesting stuff. Point, yeah, yeah, interesting no, stuff. Keep it up. What else you got? Yeah, keep it going.
2: Uh, the third point here is yeah. that the judge actually noticed that you, Brick, again, failed to tell this person that not during the notice period, you would continue their vacation pay. And again, this is an obligation that a lot of people seem to miss, a lot of companies seem to miss, but during at least the statutory period under the Employment Standards Act, you have to pay vacation on those you know, eight weeks maximum under the ESA. A lot of people, and frankly, lawyers don't even know that, uh, and the judge admonished the company for not doing that. And then the last point the judge points out, too, is that all of this stuff, along with other points that are, are talked about in the in the decision, other minutiae in terms of how the money was dispersed. You know, all of that collectively caused the employee to suffer mental distress beyond the usual hurt feelings that we would expect a person to feel in the the situation of being terminated. And in looking at all of that, again, collectively, and looking at the context, I think, of the pandemic, and and essentially saying to the company that you have to protect these people beyond – the normal circumstances, all of that seems to have added up for a $25,000 windfall for the employee based on the the company's conduct. So again, I mean, John, really a very interesting decision. I think what it says, you know, what, what it's ultimately saying, what I've more and more come to believe is that equity, you know, this concept of treating people fairly, that, you know, that there are obligations beyond those written down in the laws to people by companies because of the, uh, you know, the power imbalance, because of the fact that there is such a vulnerable position that you're placing these uh, individuals, these terminated employees in, that companies have to go above and beyond the normal, you know, what we we would normally expect and and really just treat them fairly and and be honest with them, even if it's to their own detriment, be honest with them in telling them what their rights are, even if it means that you have to pay more as a company.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, too. It just also goes to show that even a big, big, you know, long-time, sophisticated employer, they don't always know what's right and know what to do. It's not just your little uh, little mom-and-pop shops in that regard. Uh, Jonathan, thanks so much for standing by for a few minutes. How are you tonight? Fine. Thank you. Great. What's, uh, what's on your mind? So
3: I work for a large corporation, the healthcare, in the healthcare world, uh, mm-hmm. at a hospital. And I've worked there 23 years in a professional capacity. And my hours have been 10 till six during that entire time. And uh, I actually have been at one particular job for 15 years where I was recruited from another part of the hospital. And those hours, those hours were part of that recruitment. Uh, I've just been advised over the last couple of weeks that they would like to change that to 7:30 to 3:30, as opposed to 10 to six. And, uh, I have about it's roughly an hour, hour and a half commute as is. So uh, and and a lot of, of that seven thirty to three thirty is rel- relatively drastic. So I'm just wondering if I have any. Uh, it's a non union job, by the way. It's if I yeah, have any. Yeah, I was going to ask you that any,
2: firstly, actually. <laughs> yeah. If uh, I
3: have any options in regards to uh, accepting uh, or or not.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I mean. Is there any contract specifically that sets out those times or or spec- or may have said anything about that they have the right to change your hours? Do you, have you have yes. signed a contract like that?
3: No contract in place uh, no over, contract. Over, the entire, over the entire time.
2: And when you negotiate you know to leave that uh, position you had for fifteen years and you moved over to the new position and you're saying you negotiated the hours explicitly, in as part of that move right well they were
3: uh, for the first eight years at the other at the other part mm-hmm. of the hospital they were 10 to 6 and when i was recruited over mm-hmm. to the uh, to a really uh, a more specific uh, uh, unit the hours were continued on and have been in place with no issues whatsoever mm. for the last 15 years under a number of uh um, you know, I've seen managers, directors, supervisors come and go over that time, as you can appreciate. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's it's never been an issue. And it's not an issue relative to, you know, job performance, availability or anything. I I think it's just a matter of them saying, we have eight different people in the hospital doing this kind of work. And we Mm want to get we want to get everyone in a cookie cutter situation. That's that's the only thing I can imagine is that they're, you know, what they're trying to do. I don't know why. They, they yeah. definitely. It, this is not any sort of, and I realize it's not any sort of a constructive dismissal. They absolutely do not want me to go. I know that very clearly. Well,
2: well, that. I mean, I was going to say that is actually a constructive dismissal. But again, a constructive dismissal, you have to remember, doesn't mean they want you to go. It means that they're changing the terms of your agreement in a way that breaks your agreement effectively, you know, having worked somewhere for as long as you have based on your schedule, it's very, you know, very clear to say that that's a term of your agreement. Now you're saying you don't have a written contract then you have an oral contract. You have an implied contract here. And it it could be, I would say very clearly that one of the implied terms is that you work 10 to six since you've been doing that for 23 years. Now, if they're trying to change that, and as drastically as they seem to be, you know, basically asking you to start two and a half, three and a half hours or two and a half hours early, that, that's a drastic change. Obviously would make your life, you know, require you to reorganize your life in a significant way. I would say there's a good chance that it is a constructive dismissal. Now, again, that doesn't mean that they want you to go. It doesn't mean that, you know, you have to exercise your rights. It could be a constructive dismissal and you could say, okay, you know, I appreciate that this might be an opportunity for me to, Claim its termination, but nevertheless, I want to continue working. But doing that also means that you've now accepted those hours, and you've accepted that they have the right to change your hours. Right. So I, I would say that yeah, you absolutely don't have to accept that. That is a constructive dismissal. But you could accept it if you want to, knowing as well the repercussions of doing so.
3: Sure. Okay. So by not by not accepting, uh, that puts the ball in their court in regards to. Okay, we're not accepting you. Not accepting the hours, and therefore we're going to terminate you. And at that point, it might be uh, it might be prudent to uh, to well. Uh, that's one always. way they might play it. I
2: mean, I can if you kind of work out the scenarios. I think there's a couple of ways they can uh, handle it. And you're right; it does put the ball back in their court. Uh, and I can see them handling one of several ways. Number one is, as you say, they just say, "Well, we this is the job, and if you can't do it, you're terminated." And that's to be and to be clear, that's perfectly fine. You know, sure. no nobody can force two parties to work together if they're saying we want to do this and you're saying I don't want to do that. They can't force you to do it, but they don't have to let you keep your job either. Now the, sure. sc- the the next scenario is they could just say, well, John, doesn't matter what you think, we're gonna do it. You know, these are your new hours, putting essentially putting the ball back in your court to say, okay, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna claim constructive dismissal, or are you going to essentially say, N- no,
1: I'm going to accept that job? And then Jonas, lastly, hey, they can – Hold on. I just got to stop you, Stan. We really got to get to a break. John, just hang on it's if you're right. still there. If not, you want to keep on listening after the break, and we'll let you go. And uh, it's all going to end up with you making a phone call anyway. But we'll finish that last point with Stan in just a moment. Uh, Taking a short break, Stan Fanselberg is your partner at St. to mark and LLP. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio.
1: Welcome back. If uh, you have questions about your employment rights, uh, you want to call or contact Stan Fenselberg, partner at Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP. And uh, it's quite simple. That phone number is, is really uh, easy. Route. I give it out all night long, 1-855-821-5900. That is how you do that. But Jonathan had him on the air before, Stan. A few points there. Longtime employee, wanted to change some hours. Could be a pretty drastic change. And... Uh, you know, what do you thinking of your, uh, for your final point there? Yeah, absolutely. So just to
2: finish that off for you, Jonathan, what, the last thing I want to mention is, term, in terms of what the company could potentially do here is uh, is give you essentially notice of the change, effectively saying to you, okay, we recognize this is a constructive dismissal, so we're not going to implement that change right now. But, you know, we think you're entitled to 24 months of notice. So, Jonathan, we're telling you that 24 months from now – your job is going to change and you can either consider, you know, you can accept those changes twenty four months from now, or consider this effectively, you know, notice, working notice for the purposes of your termination. That was just the last point I want to get across a cross term job.
1: Could he, I mean it, it pretty you know, he's probably <laughs> like you said, his his whole life revolves around those hours and they have for a couple decades, but if he was like could he go to an employer and say, you know what, I like being here, you're good people, can I take this out for a spin on a temporary basis, maybe give it a, give it a shot for a couple months, and if it's not jiving with my lifestyle, then I want to go back to the uh, normal 10 to 6 that I've been working forever. Could he do that, if he does it in writing, of course? He
2: can absolutely protest the change, and you can actually try out the change. You know, a couple of months, I would say, is maybe on the on the outer limits of what's acceptable. But as long as you're making it clear that, okay, well guys, you know, I don't know how this is gonna go, so I'm not necessarily accepting it, but at the same time I wanna test it out, maybe it's gonna work out, let's give it a few weeks, let's give it a month, see how it goes. Absolutely, you can do that while reserving your right to claim constructive if things don't work out at the end of you know your test
1: period. Wanna to get to our first email of the night? Anytime you want to send Stan or a member of his team the email, no problem, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Ike is our first guy up, says, hey, Stan, my employer wants uh, to get rid of my annual bonus because they are saying they cannot afford to pay it any longer. This is a huge part of my compensation, about a third, and I can't afford my uh, myself to lose this money. Is there anything I can do?
2: Yeah, speaking of constructive dismissals, John, I mean, this is uh, about as clear cut as those tend to get. Because nothing is clearer when it comes to a fundamental change in the person's employment contract or the terms of their agreement than taking away a lot, bunch of their money. And so, if it's in the form of a bonus, it's if if it's in the form of changing your commission structure in a way that you know very clearly reduces your income, or if it's just as simple as, hey, you're making two bucks an hour less this this uh, month or from now on. All of those are very clear, fundamental changes to an employment agreement that employees do not have to agree to. They can treat those as terminations. They can walk away, claim constructive dismissal, and fight for their right to severance.
1: Let me ask you this. So if if Ike's employer – wait, oh, no, he doesn't say – no, he doesn't say how long he's been getting this bonus for. We'll assume it's a while. Mm -hmm. He says it's an annual bonus. What if we were to or if the employer were to dig up and dust off a contract that said all bonuses you know are are discretionary at our discretion when we decide to give them, if we can decide to give them? would they have anything to to stand on the, the employer that is in that regard?
2: You know, discretion is one of those really meaningless terms nowadays because, I mean, it obviously means something specific, but everybody right. uses it so loosely in employment contracts. But just saying that but the bonus is discretionary, you know, a discretionary bonus, when I hear that, I think of a Christmas bonus. Some imp- small shop saying, hey, you know, I'm going to give you a couple of bucks at Christmas uh, every year. There's no rhyme or reason to how much it is. It's just a matter of what I feel like giving you or how mm-hmm. Uh, that's essentially the basis of the decision. You know, when you're talking about something as significant as a third of someone's compensation, very likely that bonus is not so much discretionary as it might be as written on a piece of paper. Very likely that bonus is based on something. Maybe it's sales metrics, maybe it's the company's performance, maybe it's combina- combination of both. But once you say something is objectively based on something, you can't really say it's discretionary anymore. And from there, you kind of jump to the next question in the case law, which is, is it an an integral component of that person's compensation? And one third of your compensation is no, there's no question. That's integral. That's a huge chunk. So kind of those are tend to be, you know, the way we view these. Is it integral? What are the facts on the ground? Is it, you know, is it actually discretionary or is it based on objective measures?
1: By the way, this or any other topic about uh, your job, your employment on behalf of yourself or uh, anybody else, no problem. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Oh, by the way, the website pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, you can use that any time. It's like having an employment lawyer with you at all times on your smartphone, free and anonymous. And rolled into that would be the severance pay calculator portion as well, which is uh, – Wickedly handy for figuring out what your severance really should be in the event that uh, you need it, right? you got to find out pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Mike is up next. We had Ike. Now we got Mike. My sweet tooth is uh, starting to creep up. Uh, Mike says, had an agreement with my boss that I would go off and get migraine headaches looked at. Was off five weeks. When I came back, he sent me to his other business in another town, which wasn't our original agreement when I protested. He said it was his business and he could do whatever he wants. Is that true?
2: I mean, it's not true in, for so many reasons here, Mike, not only is, you know, obviously you have an agreement to work for one particular business. Now keep in mind when you have an agreement to work for a business, very, you know, your agreement is with the business. It's not with the person who's the president, you know, it's not the largest shareholder a bit. If you're talking about a corporation, that's a legal entity and your agreement is with that legal entity. So you can't just be shipped to some other legal entity unless you've, you know, again, given them the right to do that, or it's somewhere in a contract. Uh, and so that's the first issue. But the bigger issue I see in Mike's question is the fact that he went off on what sounds like disability. Leave. Yeah. You know, he was dealing with a medical issue, migraines, and went off. I'm assumingly based on some sort of medical advice off on disability leave. And, with that come certain protections, including, you know, job protection for either your position or a comparable position in your business. So not only is your, your boss doing wrong by you by switching you around to this other business or wherever the hell he's sending you, you know, he's doing wrong by you because he's violating your human rights very likely, Mike, and should give us a call to discuss that situation.
1: And that number, Mike, as you know, you haven't heard it before. Here it is, Fifty nine hundred one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. But here and now, Eric, thanks for hanging on. Good evening. Hello, good evening. How are you doing? Excellent. What's on your mind, man?
4: Yes, um, I I bought a house in Peterborough, and I was working in Whitby. So Mm -hmm. my my employers are trying to play, uh, you know, like a game of, you know, trying to to make me either leave the job or. Using an uh, because they want me to be coming from Peterborough to come and do like a a performance improvement program that if I cannot okay. do that they cannot give me a new location in Peterborough whereas I have a contract with them so they also mm-hmm. give me a query uh, a query later that you know that like, uh, that I brought COVID COVID is what you get is you know everybody gets COVID even the uh, the, the mm-hmm. yes yeah, so everybody like I got infected with COVID and then they claim that I use it to infect, uh, I'm, in he- I'm in the healthcare field, that I use it to infect uh, one of the uh, the, the clients we are working with. And because of that, they cannot give me a new location in Peterborough until, I, um, you know, until I, I face like a query in the previous location. So I have to be driving from Peterborough to Whitby for more than two or three weeks until the manager is satisfied that I'm okay before they can give me a new location. And you, ha- oh. you also have to apply for a new location within the same company.
2: Right. Well, so you were working in Whitby. You're saying before this, and when you bought the house in Peterborough, did they make you a promise they would give you this location, or did you just assume that, like, well, I'm in Peterborough now, can I work here?
4: Yeah. So uh, on their on their on their policy, it says mm-hmm. you know if if you want a new location, you can apply internal internal application. Since I have a contract with uh, with that uh, location, so you can get a contract in a new location. So I had so many opportunities right. while I was applying, but the manager is, as if I see she's angry that I bought out. So I want to leave. So she brought that, mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, you know, she just brought, you know, dug up something against me so I can, you know, just like a punishment to me. So there is no promise that you will get a new location, but usually you get a new location because it's, is a, is internal application. Like you just have to apply and go to a new place.
2: Well, I, I understand that, but at the same time, you know, applying obviously also implies that there's going to be a process by which they can hire you or choose not to hire you. So, you know, it sounds to me like they haven't made you any sort of promises about shifting your location and are you know, again, they don't actually have to give you that new location. Even if they've done it, you know, for all a bunch of other employees before, if mm-hmm. if it says in the contract that well, you have to apply to be eligible to get this new location, then, again, that, that doesn't mean they have to give it to you. That means you have to apply, and they can choose to give it to you or choose not to. So unlike you know, unlike a constructive dismissal where they're forcing you into a new location, mm-hmm. you also can't force them to give you a different location either. That's right. That's right.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I think, I mean, it sounds to me like you're just going to have to go through the process of whatever they're setting up to, you know, to to test whether they're going to give you this job and see if you ultimately qualify. And if not, then you may have to make a decision on whether you want to continue traveling to Whitby.
1: Moving on down the line, 416-870-6400. Gary, you are up. Good evening. Good evening, fella. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up?
5: Uh, So... uh, uh, last year uh, after 15 months clean and sober i relapsed and uh, i i ended up going awol from my job uh, for two days i came back after three days um i went in with my with my union rep sat in front of the hr lady told him what was going on um two days later they terminated me uh so this is last october uh, mm-hmm. My union, my union, has done close to zero for me. Um, mm-hmm. They've tried to, they've tried to get me my job back in ways that I don't even know really what they're doing. And now, the the last I heard from them, it's a very sporadic communication I have with my union. Uh, they said we were going to go to arbitration later on this year. I think in their mind, they were like, as, if we can prolong this as much as possible, maybe he'll just go away and he'll just give up i mean in the middle of a pandemic with mental health mm-hmm. issues um substance abuse like we don't have to go far to hear this stuff and this company had no problem saying you know what uh the hell with this guy just just mm-hmm. cut cut him loose where's my rights here because either i'm missing something or the union and the company just shafted me
2: okay well there's a lot to unpack there so The first thing you have to understand is that your grievance is not yours to control. The union actually controls your grievance and they can choose to move forward with it and they can choose not to move forward with it. They have absolute discretion to make whatever choices they want with respect to your grievance against the employer. And unfortunately, there is no other remedy for you except for for you to go through your union here because you can't sue in civil court if you're subject to a collective agreement. So, I mean, now to nevertheless, I mean, it sounds like your union is trying to help you. I know it may be taking a long time, but the fact that they're actually going to a hearing, that's a positive step, I can tell you from my experience. Because if the union didn't want to help you, trust me when I say they just tell you they're not going to take your grievance forward, and that would be the end of it. And they have, you know, as long as they do the minimal work of showing that they Considered the possibility, they looked at the grievance and decided that they just didn't want to go forward with it. That's all they have to do, effectively, in the law's eyes, to to fulfill their role. They don't have to go to arbitration. So, if they are going to arbitration, I would say that they're likely trying to help. Now, there is a secondary source here, though, because even though I said you're not, you can't go and file a civil claim, if you can prove that a you have. A uh, alcohol dependency, and that and that D, you relapse, and that was the reason you missed work. Then their termination of you is a very clear human rights dis- uh, violation. Can I just the yeah. to interrupt? I'll, I'll just tell
5: yeah. you really quickly. I, last November, I even built a case. I got a lot of character reference letters. I got a letter from my family doctor, who's been yeah. my family doctor since I was a little baby. Knows my whole history, right? And they, the company scoffed at it. The company is like, "This means nothing to us."
2: Yeah, I mean, the company is ultimately, obviously, has made a decision that they're going to take a hard line, and irrespective of what evidence you put in front of them, they may not change their minds. You know, the luckily for you, the company isn't the decision maker here. If they're go, if you're going to an arbitration, you're going to have. A third party neutral arbitrator who's gonna see all that evidence, and I guarantee you they will be interested in that evidence. And they're also and you know, and they're gonna weigh what the credibility, they're gonna weigh the harm, the risk, all of the different factors in considering what to do with you, and they're gonna make a decision. But you know, it's not the company's role to come to that decision not the ultimate decision anyway. And and sorry, getting back to the other point that I was saying, so you actually can pursue a claim against the company here outside of the union context at the human rights tribunal, because even though you're part of a collective agreement, you are allowed to proceed at the human rights tribunal based on discrimination. In this case, what we would call discrimination on the basis of your disability or alcohol dependency.
5: Okay. All right, I appreciate your time, guys. Thanks, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I appreciate your time as well. Uh, I want to get to Ada uh, here. Ada wrote in uh, email again. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. I was recently terminated, but told that I have to stay and work until the uh, the end of July. Do I have to stay at this point? As it seems unbearable to me to work for a company that has terminated me already.
2: Unfortunately, Ada, you know we. Our laws allow for companies to provide for working notice, basically what, what's what's happening in your situation, they're giving you working notice, and that's a perfectly acceptable and legal way for them to satisfy their obligations to you. And the reality is that you kind of have to stay till the end of it. Now you obviously can resign, but that would be a resignation and you wouldn't necessarily have entitlements moving forward after that if you want to get anything after you know the working notice period you you do have to stay and you not only do you have to stay you have to continue to do your job and do it you know in in accordance with what the the employer wants you to do otherwise like if you do let's say you did nothing for several weeks you could still actually be fired for cause during your working notice period as well uh the one you know, caveat here, I would say, is that if it is so unbearable, and you know, if it is causing you so much mental distress and harm, that you really feel like you're, you know, anxious, depressed, what have you, go and talk to a doctor, see if they're willing to potentially prescribe, you know, or give you a medical note that says you don't have to come in for that period. Because if, you're, if your doctor gives you a medical note saying that, you know, you're under their care, you're suffering from a disability, and that you're, can't work at this time then you, know, you don't actually have to do uh the working notice uh, you don't have to come in
1: logan you're up next again help at employmentlawyer.ca logan says guys can i be fired for not following the provincial health orders pertaining to COVID without having signed any contractual obligation to follow said guidelines prior to being threatened anything about that
2: yeah it's it's a tough question to answer without really understanding the context here, John, I mean, in terms of what what the guidelines are being requested to be followed, but on a general, you know, from a general perspective, our, a lot of our law is based on this concept of following the best practices. And, and so if a company is going to be asked to create a safe environment from COVID in this particular instance, you know, we can't reasonably expect each company to be expertise, to have the expertise, to know what they're doing there, to know what they actually need to do to create that safe environment that will meet a certain legal standard. And that's where we, where a company is rightfully looking to the government to say, okay, government, what do you expect of us? And if putting out these health standards, these provincial minimum guidelines, if a company is following those guidelines because they're worried about, you know, infecting their customers, infecting their employees, what have you, then they have a right to expect that you to follow those guidelines as well. I'm not saying they can necessarily terminate you if you don't, but they, they may not have to let you work either. Uh, again, it depends on what the guidelines are. But ultimately, I mean, if if the government's saying these are what we expect the companies to, to, to follow and to have their employees follow and these are best practices, a company is well within its right to say, yeah, we're going to follow those guidelines and we expect you, employee, to follow those guidelines as well.
1: We only got uh, literally two minutes to go, uh, Nick, so I'm going to give you the final call on this one. If you want to ask your question quickly, Stan will uh, give you the best answer he can. Go ahead, pal. All
5: right. Uh- my question is this, my sister's a nurse, one of the downtown hospitals, and now they're saying that unless they have uh, the vaccinations, uh, basically they're going to be fired. Does she have any rights here?
2: Well, firstly, if your sister's a nurse, she's probably unionized. So she already that's has clear. very limited. Yeah, she's already has limited rights because she's subject to a collective agreement. Uh, and from the case law that's generally come out in terms of P- requiring people in uh, safety sensitive positions to get vaccinated, then, you know, the reality is your cl- your sister probably doesn't have many rights. Uh, in those situations, the, the bulk of the law seems to suggest that hospitals have a great, you know, have a lot of responsibilities to ensure that other people are also safe. And if that means that requiring vaccinations, then most arbitrators in the court seem to be saying that's okay.
1: Nick, appreciate the final phone call. That's all we got time for tonight uh, to carry on and talk to Stan, a member of his team, partner at Sanfiru, to LLP, stlawyers.ca, the website. You can also uh, email help at employmentlawyer.ca. There's also pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, the website. And then finally, 1 821 We'll do it all again Wednesday night right here. Stick around, though. On Point is coming back. Global News Radio.